0: The Daily Talk Show, episode 586. And we got Brent Valley in the building. Welcome, Brent. Thank you. It's smelling good, mate. He's smelling you, good. You've, you've brought your uh, surf wax. I have. How do you get to a point of creating your own surf wax? It's an interesting
1: story. I it, wasn't the original creator of it. Uh-huh. However, I was over at a basketball game, sorry, a baseball game back in 2017, watching the San Francisco Giants play. They were losing at the time, and I got tagged in on a Facebook post. And it said business for sale and it had Bell Surf Wax. And so I immediately sent a direct message to the guy who owned it at the time. Like Facebook Marketplace? <laughs> like is it a Facebook you, market? Just, uh, Gumtree, look, there's businesses yeah. for sale. Asai Brothers,
2: 150. Really? I saw that for sale in mm. Bayside. Mm. So and so
1: you just go, you just DM him and say I just hey. sent him a DM. I go, how much you want? Yeah. And he literally listed all the kind of assets that were there. And he said 10 grand and I said, I'll give you eight. And he said, okay. And so I said, "I'll send me an invoice for 20%. I sent it to him immediately on the spot just after we got home from the game. I thought you were
2: going to rock up and do what you do with Gumtree, only take seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, <laughs> just cash. Yeah, Jesus, mate, sorry,
1: mate. I've only got seven. What sort of assets did they have? A shitty website. Yeah. Um, what else they have? They had the trademark on the name, but I had to change it a few times just to get Bells Beach Australia on there because <laughs> I thought that was really, really, you know, from an intellectual property piece, something that was really appealing. I used to say pure performance instead but I thought the name Bells Beach Australia was something mm. that was going to add a lot of value to it.
2: It's <laughs> iconic, mate. It and, and if you're not – you can't see if you haven't watched the episode. This is a bell, so it's in the shape of – I remember when you first bought yeah, this, you told yeah. me we caught up, you showed me, and you said um, the the mould as well was what they'd had, Yeah, or they'd, what they'd created,
1: so they, that was another asset. Another, They had two moulds. Mm-hmm. They had a rice cooker. I'm not joking. What Cam- was a rice cooker. A, Cam- for? a, Cam- a rice cooker, and there was mm. a massive chunk of wax. So when I got home from a trip, it was in October, I went down to, went to my mate's place in Torquay, or this guy's house in Torquay. Eh? G'day, mate. His name's Sam Ham. He's one of his one of his sons has actually gone on to play with the Essendon Football Club. I think it's Brian. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what his son's name is. Anyway. I knock on the door and I go, g'day, mate, BV here. And he goes, oh, g'day, mate, how are you? Come, out, come outside, come in the garage. So he rolls up the roller door in the garage. And he goes, okay, this is what I do. And so there's this big chunk of wax sitting there and there's this rice cooker. Anyway, so he like cuts off a bit of the wax, turns the rice cooker off, chucks it in and he starts melting it down to the right temperature. And I'm going- He's giving you a demo. <laughs> it's like a demo. And I'm like, I'm not a hands-on guy. Like I'm not a tradie or anything like that. Anyway, so I melts down to the right temperature and he goes, so what I do now? I've got my little- and he's got a little thermometer he puts it in there and once it gets the right temperature, he goes, All right, right now, what do I do? I pour it into the molds and then I wait about 20 minutes. It's about the right time to have a stubby. So then he goes and gets a stubby and he has a drink and I'm just waiting, chatting away to him. And then he goes, All right, we're about right now. And then he popped the, popped the two uh, bells out of the molds and then he got these plastic uh, sandwich bags, mm-hmm. chopped the corners off each of them, they had a heat gun and he like heats her up, shrunk it up, and he goes, There's a the finished product. I'm like fuck me. Oh, what have I done Were well, you like ten grand? Was that? Was it that eight, eight? eight. Yeah. eight <laughs> grand. I'm like, I'm going to be spending a lot of time out in the garage, and <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's not my thing, right? No, so like, that's, that's, that's how it started. I'm yeah. Surprised there wasn't one before. If it, like Bell's, mm-hmm.
2: what is it, fifty something years of that Bell's Beach Rip Curl Pro, it's huge. Like some of the what, best surfers sur- around right? the world go there, so it makes sense that someone would have started a Bell's wax surf. Is for it that
0: though? Period. Like I don't know if like. Uh, Turning a wax into the shape of a bell—it probably seems obvious now that we're looking at it, but like there is,
1: I guess, some IP in that. Is anyone else trying to do it? No, we've got the trade. So we've got a trademark. Mm -hmm. We've got got protection around the shape of a bell with surf wax, Mm -hmm. and then we've also got protection in terms of IP around the actual logo itself, Mm saying "Bells Beach, Australia" "Bell Surf Wax" on it. So I had to tighten it up a little bit when I got home. Um, For some, I mean, we have looked into the trademark thing. mm We don't have
2: a shape. We don't have – we couldn't get it. Well, the daily talk show was too – Generic. Uh, too generic. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, how, what's, what do you have to do for to keep the trademark of something like this?
1: Yeah, so you just have to register it. You go into ipaustralia.com.au and it's a really complicated process and I've got no real legal background around this type of stuff. But I'm the kind of guy who just does and learns along the way mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I kind of figured it out. And at the same time I was like, well, what are we going to do about this wax? We've got one blend – I want to roll it out and scale it out globally, and I want to bring on team riders all over the world. And so then, at that point, it was around finding some. First of all, it was like finding a provider wax manufacturer to to partner up with. So I found a guy. So he's like, like out of the garage into yeah. somewhere. Correct. He's like the <laughs> Colonel. He's like the Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's got his <laughs> secret recipe, and so um, yeah, I located him in Australia, and we said let's do it, and he said okay, and then we just we had six blends uh, originally five blends, and then we came up with the Super Sticky Pro our team riders and then I just started sending product to different kids aged sort of 13 to 16 on Instagram all over the world and then on Instagram I started getting all these requests from grommets up and coming grommets who want to be pro surfers what's a grommet a grommet is yeah. someone who's like a, a, okay, a yeah, frothing grommet a frothing grom- grommet you know, grom- surf and they love his shuckers correct <laughs> yeah, <just> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I've, I went surfing once uh Phillip Island I think it was for year 10 Camp. Maybe how, you're right. How was that you know. experience for well, you? Yeah. i was all right. I was more uh overwhelmed with having to get into a wetsuit. I was a fat kid and so it was a bit uh uh a bit a bit, I mean, But no, it's fun like I uh I wanted to get into surfing and then went to Queensland when I was eighteen. And the day before we had the surf lesson, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go um is it called body boarding? Oh no, sorry, body surfing. Yeah, there body was no board. Yeah. yeah. And uh, nearly drowned, had to get like saved by a couple of lifeguards. I was like, I'm "Could not you swim?" Doing it. <laughs> oh, no, I could, yeah, no, I could. <laughs> I could swim, but the problem was I didn't see like they said you to not go any further than waist deep, or oh, whatever. A difference
2: between swimming in a pool and the ocean. Yeah, and so, so I, mean, I
0: think there was a rip or some shit, whatever it yeah. was. The wave kept hitting me, and the annoying thing is I was fucking screaming out, and like the salt was getting into like my voice, so I could I couldn't speak. And so uh, I kept, in yeah, I kept getting slammed by waves, and when I finally got saved, one lifeguard came. Their board went like flying with the mm. with the wave. Another lifeguard came, and then when I finally got onto the beach, it was one of those things where it's like they brought me in. And like, okay, you can get up now. I'm like grabbing onto the board, and it turns out like I was in about this much water. Like oh, I, so I could scared. have actually.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's a real and metaphor for life. That story. <laughs> yeah. And then I had a lady down. say, "Oh, I didn't know. I thought you were waving." <laughs> like, Why did you come up? What do you? What do you want from me? Well, I mean, it's hard studying the like, in the actual mm. sea when it's rough. Now there's the. The wave pool, the um, what's it called? The at, at
1: urban surf, yeah, urban surf, marine.
2: I mean, I've seen there's two people on my Insta and Facebook feeds. It's you and Luke Wallace yeah, Luke frequenting that place. How many mm. times you been since it's open?
1: I've been out there three times already. Um, it's a fantastic membership? place. Is yeah, it like a golf can, membership type of thing? Yeah, or? you can get a monthly membership. Yeah. So they got the gold, and then they've got the diamond, I believe it is, and uh, it's a really good setup over there. I was fortunate enough in 2018 to go over to the US and surf in Kelly Slater's wave pool, which oh, was that's right. Yeah, which oh, was really? which, which was a really good experience. And um, was the goat there? He wasn't there. Ah. I saw his locker though, and all his stuff in his in his locker. And uh, I a, left a, some wax in there for him. That's his nickname, no, or I is mean, it? Or is it a, go- or he's this, the he a goat? Of all yeah. He's the greatest of all time.
0: He's okay. the greatest of all, all
2: time. Greatest of all time. Goat. Okay. Yeah, is that his nickname? Man? I think I think people call him the goat.
1: Yeah, he's okay. pr- he's probably one of the best athletes I believe across all sports that we've mm-hmm. ever seen. You know, the Tiger Woods, Michael mm-hmm. Jordan. I mean, he doesn't get the credit because surfing's not really that mainstream sport, but. Mm-hmm. Um, how many world titles has he won? So mm. 12 or thirteen? He's won, I think. yeah. And, yeah. He's, he's and he's still surfing. He's still surfing. And like, like, how old is he's he? Like forty six f- or forty
0: seven? What makes and a good surfer? What do you? What are the qualities of a surfer?
1: I think you know, there's performance, like mm-hmm. the tricks that they're able to do, style, flow. You know, there's lots of different variables, and mm-hmm. it's one of those sports. It's really subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tennis. We all know the rules of tennis, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. We know a forehand, we know down the line. But surfing has got so many variables and so many uncertainties that. Yeah, a lot of it's subjective. Even even in the competition, the World Surf League competition, the way they judge it, mm-hmm. like how can you interpret what a great performance is because right. there's different yeah. types of manoeuvres, there's aerials, there's like- railing. And then there's human bias. Mm-hmm. 100%. So
2: it's like, it's like mover, movie reviewers now at the individual level rather than sort of the mass social mm-hmm. yeah. scorecard that's put out like on these tomato, what are they called? Like Rotten the Tomatoes. Tomato. Yeah. Like you get a better sense of a movie based on the- the fan base, or people who are interested versus one Gronk. Mm. You know, like Dancing it's just, with the Stars.
0: <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Like you, think a, you think there's a great performance and then they're like, the lift was wrong. I mean, I think there's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of
1: Dancing with the Stars so yeah, It's coming a, out, I think,
2: yeah. Um, the, Richard Wilkins' son's on it, actually. Oh, that's right. We had Dickie Wilkins on the show.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember you went up to Sydney and shut right? Yeah, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great fun.
0: Yeah. Do you think that people don't uh, – so with that surfing barrier of uh, being so subjective, do you think it's harder for people to get amongst it? You say you watch tennis. Mm. I can be a gronk with hardly any information, but I know a fault. I know that – so I can get behind it and yell at the TV screen. There's yeah. clear
2: rules and clear mm. way of winning points. Yeah. So it's and very so you can
0: get right into it. You can be a bit of a know-it-all pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. With the the surfing stuff being subjective, I guess it makes it a little bit harder as a viewer.
1: Yeah, and I think... You know, it's a good point and it's, you know, when you start out as a surfer, as you didn't have that amazing experience where you <laughs> were shredding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was funny. <laughs> 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 well, maybe I wasn't. No, no, I love my own that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's good. <laughs> but there's free surfers and there's competition surfers and we all start off as free surfers, right? Uh-huh, and yeah. we do it for the love and the joy of it or sometimes we're not doing it for the love and the joy of it. And then, you know, you kind of like it goes through this flow and mm. you get more experience and there's... You know, there's no waves that are ever the same mm. and there's always something to learn and it's always changing and,
0: uh, yeah, I don't know. Just what reason. about the wave pool then?
1: Do you, are you like, oh, I'm in the machine now and this is the sixth wave and this goes at this length? Like, is it a little bit more predictable? Yeah, it is a lot more predictable. So I was out there this morning and, um, you know, there's like 18 people jump in the water on each side. There's a left and there's a right. So a wave breaking from left to right and one breaking from right to left and, you all paddle out together and it's like a queue system where mm. when you go in the ocean, mm. there ain't no queues. Mm-hmm. It's nearly like war, you know. It's <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not really, but we all compete the to get the best get waves. The first to like, dibs. Yeah. yeah, well, they try to, don't they? Yeah. And, who's um, the telemarine locals? <laughs> who's
0: the, who's the, <laughs> the people trying <laughs> no, to say, you're just, on our no, turf? They've,
2: yeah, they've sorted it. I wonder if that will happen because they've sorted it because it's like you wait and uh-huh. literally one goes – Next one's up. One goes. Next up. I reckon up. it's this
0: whole. I reckon it's the status thing of the diamond.
2: I'm a fucking diamond. It's like when you fly. Oh
0: yeah. You know, uh, if you get frequent flying, you end up with status. As soon as you get status, when they start calling status, and you see people getting in the way that doesn't have status, or
2: you're like, fucking
0: get out of it. Yeah. Like I've heard <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm on, on the
2: uh, eastern freeway. There's the lane that you have to have more than one per more mm. than two people in the car, or yeah. you have to have two people in the car, and you get. You get right-hand lane. Mm-hmm. And I'm automatically just always looking for the yeah, person yeah. with more, one person. I'm you weren't like, it. Fucking get it. Yeah. Anyway.
0: And so and so, the 18 people
1: yeah. all taking their, their own turn. We all paddle out together and it's like a queue. Like when I was 18, 9, I used to walk into Centrelink and line up for the paycheck <laughs> when, I was, when I was on the Johnny Howard surf team. Man. Oh, that's so funny. I saw you write that the other week. The Johnny Howard surf team. What does that mean? <laughs> Break it down. Well, it was Johnny, How- Johnny Howard was the, like prime minister at the yeah. time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was a young, so I think he was anyway. It's a good joke. <laughs> um, but I used to rock up to Centrelink every two weeks with my form and walk up to the desk. And I had hair back then. It was a little long and I was probably stoned most of the time when I walked in there. And I used to get like $160 every fortnight. And that went. To going to the pokies, buying weed and hanging out with my mates, literally And <laughs> so Johnny Howard surf team. Yeah. I used Poke- to go
0: surfing. I love know? that it's not the classic hippie because I love that you've combined sort of hippie culture with the pokies,
2: <laughs> which, is, which is quite fun. Well, he's he's um feels like he's going to be lucky. Hippies yeah. might feel like they're going to be lucky. Yeah. Any any tips on winning at the pokies? No, <laughs> no, no, no,
0: don't go He's there. had a win. Just don't go, go. go there. Yeah. Don't go. Did don't you go. Had, like, was it a serious gambling problem you ended up having? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was a serious one at that yeah, point yeah. in time, but yeah.
3: Then what happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but now, when you're on the roulette, no, um, uh, it's interesting. Oh, it's a, it's going to change. It's going to change the face of surfing, just in terms of people who are going to be able to get upskilled so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In comparison to when you had to drive down hope that there was swell. You didn't even know. Yeah. You'd drive an hour and a half, hopefully see a peak on the top of the, yeah. uh, you know, water out at Phillip Island when you come into Point Leo. It's like- Dealing with seaweed. Dealing with- Yeah, sharks, seaweed. I hope they make it an Olympic sport. I mean, the Olympics is a business and so they're just- it's
1: Yeah, so they have. So this year it is okay. Yeah, yeah, What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can help. So you send him a letter or something, TJ? I should. <laughs> so well, you, the, you don't need to anymore. So they're going to incorporate wave pool in the technology because Japan- Japan rarely has waves, tiny waves, but they're going to surf it in pretty, hopefully good waves, but it'll probably be one to two foot and crap. So we won't see the best of the sport. Yeah. So it's actually going to be in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah.
2: yeah, it could be, hopefully it's not flat. There's a, there's a big swell. chance
1: there is, but in terms of changing the face of surfing, from my personal experience, you know, I used to check Magic Seaweed every day in terms of uh-huh. what the wind's doing, what's the swell doing, where it's going to be good, and now I'm getting on Urban Surfers, Surf's website and looking out what time slots are available instead, so yeah. I've got to get back to, you know, surfing more in the ocean, but I, I guess it's a novelty at the moment, it's super yeah. fun, and you can go down there with your mates, you know, you're going to get 15 waves in an hour, and everyone's going to be hooting, and... And then just you have a few vibe. beers and yeah. some dinner. Yeah. You can
2: surf at like 10 pm or something. Yeah. Oh, that's
1: good. 10
0: pm, yeah. So you know, like rollerblading <laughs> when you go to the. Um, <laughs> that's
2: just funny. <laughs> yeah. <when> you, <laughs> no, <laughs> no
0: rollerblading, rollerblading, they do the speed round. Do they? So it's like, ah, speed round if you're like for people who rollerblade fast. Are you talking about go, the roller rink? Yeah. Like yeah. rollerblading at like the roller rink, yes. Yeah. Um, Do they have a bigger waves section, like a speed round where yeah. it's like. Yeah. The epic surfers. Yeah.
1: Beast mode. Beast mode, really? Yeah, yeah so there's like That's advanced, intermediate, and beginner. Mm-hmm. And in advanced, they've got lots of different levels. They can turn the waves up and down. Actually, I'm doing a plug for these guys. These are great. <laughs> um, Andy Ross, who I met out there, is the founder and exec. He's a lovely guy, awesome guy, and heaps of good vibes. But, yeah, they've got like lots of different settings. Mm-hmm. So on advanced mode, they, they've got this one called beast mode, and they can crank it right up and like make it super, super hollow and big and heavy. Um, and create these big tubes. The thing is, I don't think they'd do it for the everyday Joe Blow who goes mm-hmm. in there off the street because it's concrete bottom. <laughs> and when you turn it when you turn it off, it goes super shallow. I've heard, and um, yeah, it's concrete bottom, so yeah, a bit of carnage out there. Yeah. <laughs> you, haven't su- you haven't surfed it? No, I haven't. They haven't turned it up. I'd love to surf it. It'd be sick. Well, how do you get it? You just ha- you can't. It's like yeah, they've done it for a few of the pros who have gone
2: there. Mm-hmm. You need um, the um, platinum. You- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, the premium. It's, it's yeah. first class. That's it's about <laughs> upgrading. You might be able to upgrade one day, Brent, if you keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So you so you you've bought a business, you've sold your business. You had a – what What was your business before? Because when I first met you, you'd sold the business and were creating video content, but I didn't quite yeah. – get what your business was
1: yeah so we're in i was in the it industry which i you know after i promoted from the johnny howard surf team when i was 19 <laughs> I, I got my first job i was uh, 19 years old my mum had no money and she said you got to get a job to you know help support her and pay the bills and so i looked in the Morabin standard which was a local rag at the time and i got a. literally went into an interview in a, it was an it computer place in hampton and the what bo- year was it it was I don't know nineteen when it nineteen ninety five or ninety six. It would have been mm-hmm. ninety six. And um, walked in, and the guy who owned the building, uh, the the business, he was a surfer as well. And so mm-hmm. I was a surfer, and straight away we clicked it off. And he goes, "Yeah, I'll give you a job." I later found out he actually started barling leg ropes. Funnily oh, yeah. enough, which is like yeah, classic story in itself. And so yeah, I got into that when I was there, and then. 20 years later or 15 years later, me and a mate after lots of different stories and I had another business, me and my mate chucked in two grand each in 2011 and built up this business called Engage Technology Group. In our fifth financial year, off two grand, five years earlier, we were turning over 27 million bucks in revenue. Wow, making a shitload of money! And uh, so, what was it? Consultancy was it? Oh, it was hardware? like hardware, yeah, hardware, software, mm-hmm. services, and resources. And I'm not an IT guy, I mean, I love what technology can do in terms of enabling our lives. That, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's fantastic, but um, yeah, and like got to the end of our fifth financial year, and I was like, hmm, I went over to New Zealand, went snowboarding, suffered an accident, had a concussion, woke up and go, oh, I got a do something different with my life it mm. was literally just like that and i came back and i um, spoke to my business partner jared at the time and i said hey mate i gotta get out and he's going all right why don't we go for two more years and i go okay and just to get more recurring revenue in our business mm. two weeks later we had a publicly listed company approach us and say hey guys do you want to sell your business i was like fuck yeah let's do Very it serendipitous yeah it was it was it was strange and i was approaching my 40th birthday so i had all this change going on and um yeah, six months later, they started. They are going, going to sell it to us for four and a half. They a going to buy it off us for four and a half million. Six months later of negotiation and probably us taking our eyes off the prize of the mm-hmm. business in itself, because you start getting ideas and getting distracted. Mm. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And we end up selling it for two and a half mil, which was really cool. Like mm. five years early, started with two grand. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, just yeah, my life went into this massive transition, three year transition to bring me to this point today, and. Been a lot of change. I used to, like when I first left the business, there's like 30 people around me, had a big team, was earning lots of money and, you know, it was funny, like we're throwing these parties for our clients and we could throw a pretty good party. Um, and yeah, and it was delivering heaps of value, but it just, yeah, had to change. So we changed it and um, yeah, and then eight months after, end ended up separating from my uh, ex-wife. We went through a divorce and kind of like then, I had no one around me. It's like, I had no money, I had no team. And I was kind of like, I remember vividly, you know, I went down the coast, down to Jan and we got a place down there. And I remember like in the fetal position on the floor, like crying for about an hour, like what the fuck's happened with my life? Um, yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I really had to strip everything back and start again. And, you know, not start again in terms of, you know, I still had some assets and that type of thing, but who the fuck was I? And that was mm-hmm. something that was like, you know, 40 years of conditioning my whole life through parents, through, you know, society, through those around me thinking, all right, success means chase money. Mm. Okay, I got that and I still feel shithouse inside. There's got to be something different. So that was, a, you know, probably my rock bottom mm. um, and then just worked my way back from there and ended up taking antidepressants for about four days. I went to the doctor, said I'm, I'm no good. He gave me antidepressants, started taking those, and by the first day I had them, I took what took one, and I ended up going surfing that day. My mate, I told my mate about, it and he asked me, he "Goes, um, how does it feel catch a wave with antidepressants?" And I go, I "Don't know." It was kind of like weird. It was like I didn't get the adrenaline rush or that for that emotional buzz that I would normally. And had some time to reflect. One day, one day, two day, three day, four, and I just felt like really sick in the stomach and. And I, I thought this is not for me. I threw him in the bin, went in the bathroom, and then i end up looking at myself in the mirror and I go, "You got yourself in this situation, you got to get yourself out of it. and I just t- took full hundred percent ownership for mm-hmm. everything in my life, and that was the starting point for probably it was November in two thousand and nine uh two thousand and eighteen um and then or- August yeah. last year, I just felt better and happy and alive again. It was strange I mean yeah, it seems weird
2: auntie I've heard that happening on antidepressants, are you actually thinking, are you feeling numb to the whole thing anyway? Because yeah. it's like. I was numb. It numbed me. It
1: numbed the feelings I had. Yeah. So it numbed the pain. It numbed the emotions that I felt. And I thought that's not for me because I'm a, like, highly passionate, energetic mm. dude. And it was, it was changing who I was at the core, I reckon. Mm. What's,
2: what's the retro on, if you're looking at it as, like, a, a massive dip in your life? Mm. What's the view on that state that people do – I mean it's all unique to the individual but looking at that state of a slump or a low point or Mm. a rebuilding phase, what's the sort of retrospective look now on how you dealt with it Mm. and how new it all was –
1: yeah, look, I think the point that I got to, it wasn't like all of a sudden I felt that way. I think it was a build-up of many years and, and not the best relationship and then working in an industry, in industry where I was working super hard. I mean, to, to build a business that quickly um, takes a lot of work and I was smashing the hours out. I reckon I was doing 80 hours a week. What does uh, the work look like? Um, lots of emails, lots of meetings, you know, like I was kind of like looking like payroll, mm-hmm. purchasing stuff, you know, like doing lots of sales calls, um, I mean the payroll once we got to that point it was kind of like the payroll was like 250k a month and there were months where we weren't making that much profit we'd have a month we would make 100 to 125k profit and it's like holy shit! if we had like three or four months like that mm. i could wipe us out we'd be mm. out of the game and that that was probably one of the things that really promoted us to, to let's sell now while we're on top and get out um But to go back to your question, Tommy, I think it was a build-up of things over a long period of time and then it's just like rock bottom and then it's like, okay, like a lag period, you know. If you go to the gym, you start training, you want to start getting fit, you start Mm -hmm. training, start training and don't get the results straight away. Mm -hmm. But over time, they come. And I think where I was in that rock bottom position was a lag period of, you know, all the hard work, some of the bad decisions I'd made. Mm -hmm. um, So
2: you weren't listening to yourself and you knew that you felt shit? So you're saying you didn't like all of a sudden – come out of nowhere, you were over the time building up to that, obviously feeling stressed about work, all, all these things. And so it compounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not sort of really taking notice of it.
1: Yeah, and numbing it, you know, partying and alcohol and drugs and buying stuff. And it's like getting this good feeling, but it's just sugar, right? Mm. It's just sugar and it, and it wears off real quick and then you have the low point. So it was like that. So I was, through the materialistic stuff, I was accumulating um, – But then I couldn't accumulate anymore and it was like, just, yeah, like, okay. Now what do I do? The feeling I got inside is not the same as what it is now where it's completely different, where I have less. I've been living out of a renovated garage at my mum's place for the past 12 months and I've never been happier. And it's – but it's taken the last six months to get to that turning point, to do heaps of the work. You know, what do I consume in terms of my diet? Who am I hanging out with? Like, I barely drink anymore. Um so there's lots of different things that I have mm. to change and I just put my hand up and change them. And then also working on businesses that I'm passionate about. So this morning I was doing product testing in a wave pool for Bell Surf Wax. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, so people laugh. I go, well, you never work, you never seem to be working. I go, I'm working, this is yeah. what I do now. It's, it's just completely different.
0: Were you worry about making changes that were drastically going to change your life when you're in a depressed state?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So to step out and, you know, like leave a relationship that I knew probably wasn't good for me, wasn't good for my my ex, wasn't good for the kids, to step out into that, to you know, that step off a cliff really, Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable, very uncertain. And, you know, so many people stay in relationships Mm -hmm. for a number of different reasons. And I'm like, I can't stay in this because- When
0: do you know when you need to do the work? When is it worth staying? And well, when is it like putting in the work and being on the other side and being
1: stronger versus saying actually yeah. there's nothing productive Yeah, Yeah, it's a good question. You need two people who are committed 100%. Mm-hmm. And if two people are not committed 100%, then it's never going to work um, and then I think we're going to compromise. Mm-hmm. Was that um, a conversation
0: that had you come to the realisation that, hey, like this isn't going to work or did you find that it happened in stages where you gave all those other yeah, you know, yeah. it's a, a
1: good good question, challenging question actually. I'll be as honest as possible. Um, you know, I think I think men, you know, my ex did a great job to stay together for as long as we did. I think mm-hmm. our determination to stay together for that long was amazing and I take my hat off to her and also myself for committing for that long. At the end of the day, you know, the people that we were when we met when we were 25, completely different to the people we were at 40, mm-hmm. you know, early 40, completely different. Yeah. Um, and so lots of change and growth at different, different times and, you know, very incompatible, very incompatible. Mm -hmm. Um, is it, I mean, if you're
2: looking at a business and you grow with the business, you know, the vision of it. If you're relating that sort of approach to a relationship where you say after 20 years, you're different. Yeah. Have you, are you veering off the vision together? Or it just naturally happens that it's evolving to some sort of different vision for the both of you. Yeah,
1: it's a good question. So at the, at the age of twenty-five, I remember meeting meeting Michelle, and I thought, oh, this chick's the best. And like we had the same, we wanted the same things at that point in time. Do you know what I mean? We we're young, we we're dumb, and like just living life. And we also always used to say to each other, living on love, and got so many awesome, yeah. me- got so many awesome memories with her, and. Um, you know, like as the journey goes on, it was like, okay, we want we want the same thing. And then I think with the business, you know, I, I invested a lot in my personal development when I was two, in 2008 or 2009 uh, where I did a diploma in coaching and studied NLP and did some other stuff and uh, really changed me yet. I still had a lot of people around me who probably weren't um, looking to, you know, they're enjoying life and they're happy mm-hmm. with their life and it's, and it's fantastic what they do. I don't judge it. from that perspective. People need to do what makes them happy. But I started going down a journey and then I, I didn't have the confidence, probably all the self-belief I do now. And so then when I, in the Engaged Technology Group, building that business and selling it, I got a lot of confidence and saying, well, we set out to achieve something, we did it. Okay, what else are you going to go set out mm. to achieve and do? And I think that was really so, a really great reference point moving forward. Mm. Um, and so I just kept on working on myself and going in a certain direction and following my heart and following my passion. I reckon at that point in time the business had taken me one direction as it does and then probably my ex Michelle was doing her thing and just, we're just too far apart to mm. come back together.
2: I mean yeah. ha, ha, the complication with kids, <clears throat> uh, making a choice because it's mm. not just you anymore. What's that process
1: like oh. as, a, as a dad? I don't want to go into too much detail, but to sit down and have to tell them, have a family yeah, conversation yeah. and tell them is heartbreaking. Mm. Like the most heartbreaking thing I reckon I've ever had to do in my entire life. Mm. Um, yet what's more what's more heartbreaking would have been staying together for another mm. 20 years. I, I love, love me punk rock music and there's a band called No Use For A Name and the start of the song... I can't recall it correctly, it says, um, if we can't be happy living together, dying together is not going to help fix a problem and I think it's a really good analogy. You it's very, I mean? very punk rock as well. Yeah, it is, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love my punk rock. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, kind of like sums it up and so, mm. yeah. So, when you decide to sort of jump off that
0: cliff and, and take the, uh, I guess there's a lot of risk involved in that sort of, that sort of change. Yeah. What was the biggest surprise through th- that
1: whole experience? Hmm, you find out who your friends are, mm-hmm. I think, you know. It's, um, I reckon that was the most surprising thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at peace with it now, but for probably, I reckon, 12 months I wasn't.
0: Do you get paranoid? Do you get like, say, <clears throat> if like, you do something so extreme in your life, mm. I guess I would feel like I'd be analysing everyone, saying, okay, this like you're, you're meeting everyone at a new level and so every interaction is up for analysis. Yeah,
1: interesting. You do, yeah, probably, yeah. Mm. I'm just trying to think about yeah. what I was thinking at certain times. I think what was kind of good, but good about it, a lot of people like just stepped back, mm-hmm. way back, and didn't just didn't get involved. And I think at the time was like, at the time, it felt like it would have been good to have them around. And now looking back, I think it was great they weren't. Mm-hmm because it just would have got too complicated and too much interference and, like you said, analysing what everyone's saying, would have been overwhelming, I reckon, at times, would have been full on. So um, I'm grateful for the fact that everyone just kept their distance. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny, though, over time and now people come back Mm -hmm. and then also, you know, not cutting people out but removing certain people creates space for new people to show up. Mm -hmm. And then the new people that show up um, based on the energy – that I am and what I what I put out there, you start attracting people with like-minded values and beliefs and, and I've got a great crew of people around me now mm-hmm. and I'm stoked and, you know, some of the ones who have spent a large portion of my life around me, I wish them all the best and love and, yeah, I hope they're happy in their lives and I don't have any kind of ill feelings towards them but it hasn't always mm-hmm. been that way through the journey. It's taken me two years to get to that point which is – you know, it's two years Australia yeah. day, literally, when we went our own way, so, yeah. Uh,
2: growing up, your family life, do you sort of approach, I mean, what was, your, what was your upbringing like?
1: Oh, interesting story. So I was adopted when I was born, grew up in an Australian family, found out that I was adopted when I was five. I, I had a great childhood, um, went to a local primary school. Um, and I'm writing about all this in my book at the moment, which I've written eighty-two thousand words. Not bad for an E plus student or a, what is that Number Mr. 32. <laughs> Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. 32. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like mum and dad split up when I was 15. And so like to reflect back on it, it's like this cyclical pattern that keeps happening, mm-hmm. you know, like, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to reflect back and, you know, I mean, I I met my biological mother when I was thirty and found out the circumstances behind the adoption, that type of thing, which was really, really confronting. And I'm not sure if I've shared this with you off off air. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like when I was younger, yeah, I was pretty happy. And then when mum and dad broke up, it was really hard. And even with my son, I've seen mm. seen his will change. And um. I empathize with him. He's a great kid and he's come through it really good. And I think with him, he's had his mum and his dad really, really present through it all, which is really, really important. And, um, you know, I just had my mum through it. Dad was in Queensland. And so we've got a great relationship. But it's funny, I had resentment um, probably from my childhood. And through this process of getting divorced, the people that I've lent on the most have been my mum and dad. And now we've got these amazing relationships that have transformed based on going through these Pretty shit time. Mm. Where was the
2: resentment coming from?
1: Oh, Tommy, you, you're asking some good questions. <laughs> um, just blame, like blaming for, you know, like for for my dad probably not being around and, and being there and I don't know, with my mum, not sure. I think, you know, when we were together, I don't know where. So when we were um when mum and dad were together, I had a, a family and like cousins and uncles and aunties, we always used to socialise together and go to family barbecues and that type of thing and then um, when they split up, that kind of stopped mm. because people don't know how to deal with it and, how, and the relationships, the dynamics of relationships change. And so, I don't know, maybe I had some resentment against my mum around that. And, um, yeah, but, like, if I, if I have a look at where it's come, like, I used to have the big Christmases when I was married and lots of people around and, mm. you know, it was great. And then, you know, this this year, my, like, living at my mum's place for the past 12 months, Um which has been challenging but great now, mm. we had this beautiful little lunch, me and her and the two kids, and it was kind of like, see, mum, would, this would have never happened. You would never have hosted a Christmas mm. lunch if me and Michelle didn't get divorced.
3: So
2: how <laughs> <happens> this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, always. It's, it's a great way to look at it, I think. Because what other way is to
1: look mm. at it? It's- well, you know, everyone's like, you know, things aren't always positive, right? Mm. But in every scenario, what I've learned is that there's a positive and negative to everything and you can find it in both it's, it's pointless i think just to look for the positives or just look for the negatives which seems to happen look for the positive and negative in everything there's a benefit and there's a pro and a con in every situation yeah and you can learn something from everything and everyone i it, believe it's like uh, when people are
0: made redundant i feel like <laughs> when someone leaves a, a role mm. people are normally like oh, i'm so sorry like i because i've never been really good at working For a company, I always get pumped when someone's like leaving. And it's interesting hearing how people project how they feel about other people's situation. Like, I'm so sorry that you're having to, uh, you know, that you've lost your job or or things like that. Mm. How do you frame those? Like, so, for instance, a mate gets a divorce. How do you uh, approach it from your words and how you sort of
1: approach it? Um, just say congratulations, how are you going on Tinder? No, not really <laughs> not really. um I think just be there for them, mm-hmm. you know, like just be there. I think it's the best way to approach it. um people go through a lot of stuff and there's a lot of emotion, and I think if you just be just there for someone and help somebody, mm-hmm. that's what you do. um I had someone who was a was a friend who lent in really, really hard to me and I wouldn't have got through without him and his name's Brad and you know, I, I love him to this day mm-hmm. and um, he was just there every day and he called me every day, he'd come round, he helped me move. He went above and beyond mm. and knowing that there was a person like that who was mm. a rock when others probably didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do, but he was just there. Mm-hmm. He was always there uh-huh. and he kept continuing to show up and he'd been through it as well. And so it's funny though, like so he'd been through it, and so he knew he knew the stages in mm-hmm. the whole in the whole journey, and now I'm paying that forward to other people, yeah. and I know I've just learned from him, mm-hmm. and i model what he did to me, and now that I've learned about the different stages and how you're feeling, what happens, just just pass it on to, to the others as well who who I've attracted because they've seen how I've gone through it and what I've done and where I'm at today. Mm.
2: Yeah. We've um, got a good mate of ours, Ryan John, who. I, re- I filmed a video of him. Uh, he was adopted and he was talking on, on Mother's Day about his story and it has been viewed 400 million times or something and it led him down the path to find his biological dad and, and now he's, like he's he's gone over the States to spend time with him and worked out the circumstances of how everything happened and it's been a positive journey from the outside and from what he's told me that he went on when – when you were working out or wanting to, are you wanting to find out your family and your family origins outside of what you know as mum and dad, which are mum
1: and dad? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I met my biological mother when I was 30. Um, Michelle was pregnant with our first at the time. She was 30 weeks and I saw how she was feeling through it. And I thought the realisation came, was like, Mm. holy shit, someone's actually carried me around in their stomach. And I contacted the Department of Human Services, got in touch with them. Filled out a form, sent out a check, sixty bucks. Didn't have a checkbook. Like, who has checks right? What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, End up in this in this room with this, like this session, with, like ten people sitting around the room. This facilitator and
0: who were the ten people? The yeah. Other adoptees. <laughs> like, oh, really?
1: We were all in the room together. I'm
0: like. I thought it was going to be like you had to pick out who she want. You had to fucking guess out of the 10.
3: It's, like it's, AA, it's, an, adoptee, extra, it's an extra adopte-
0: 60 bucks if you want just the one, but if you start with 10, yeah, how full on. And so yes. you're there and so you've got 10 adoptees. Yeah.
1: And you're having conversations about what the experience could be like. Yeah, it was this facilitator session, like, what do you know about your past? And mm-hmm. everyone shared. And then like, I went, they went for about an hour. And then mm-hmm. she said, well, I'm going to leave the room now. I'm going to go get your files and come back. And so she left the room, came back with these manila folders. Kind of reminded me of Year 12 English. I hated my fucking English teacher. <laughs> a fucking bitch. Um, <laughs> only because she hated me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Hater's gonna> hate. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of hate back then. Now I've just got love. Yeah. Um, and then she comes back into the room and starts handing out these manila folders and, like, I was second. So she was sitting here. I was over there second. She puts it down in front of me and she goes, yours are an interesting one. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And you open it up and there's a birth certificate. It's a completely different name, completely different. All the details are all different. You're wow. like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. Which one am I? Am I this one yeah. or this one?
2: It's the Jason Bourne all over again.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you seen, seen Bourne? That
2: Jason
1: that yeah. Bourne? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And it was almost, oh, like, I'll never bit forget of a head it. Fuck. Huh? bit of a head fuck, yeah. Total, total head fuck. My identity was like challenged massively. It's I'm almost at- like you've been in the um, like a spy
0: or something, and they've just handed over, you know, like you see that in movies or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah it was really intense and full on. And like, open it up and have a look, birth certificate, bang! So, who the fuck's that? And it was me, you know. And I remember looking up. And you look around the room, I was crying and everyone else is crying after they've looked at theirs. Everyone's in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Um, And then start reading the information behind, you know, my biological mother's pregnancy and the application from my adoptive parents and what they did and what they went through Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then the session winds up and the lady says, well, you've learned a lot today. I um, probably encourage you just to wait about six months and then potentially send off a letter. And I'm sitting there going, fuck that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go find her straight away. And literally within two days, I'd located her, found her, spoke to her and met her.
0: How do you, wow. how do you go through that process? So, they've given you a file. Mm. Are there laws around it? Like, what's, what's the whole deal? Oh, I just
1: looked up her surname mm-hmm. and, you know, I was born in the Royal Women's Hospital and I just looked up that surname, typed it into yellowpages at the time, mm-hmm. .com.au and, um, Seven chiki plug. <laughs> yeah. <chiki>. <laughs> <Chiki laughs> it's probably white pages, was it, or was it yellow pages? It was yellow pages back then. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember it so clearly. And um, seven listings came up, and I go, it's that one. It was in South Melbourne. And I rang it. I said, "Oh, hello." Is um, the person's? Name. I won't mention it on uh-huh. here. And um, she said, no. it, was a, "It was an older lady. Had a thick accent." Mm-hmm. No, darling, she's in Shepparton, mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay, thanks." hung up the phone, I go, that was my grandma, I go, and a while later found out it was. Wow. It looked like it was bizarre, and then typed in the surname, Shepparton, and only one listing came up, and g'day, does the 25th of October 1976 have any meaning in your life? And she's like, who is this? Baba. It, was a, it was actually her sister at the time, uh-huh. um, and then we met two days later. Wow. F- full on. Far out. was full You on. went to Shepherdon? No, we no. ended up meeting in Melbourne, and- uh, that oh, was a bizarrest moment. My, my ex said to me, do you want me to come with you? And I said, no, I'll go on my own. And i uh, up driving out, parked the car. And, it was, and we met at this cafe and I remember running – I remember I got out of the car, started walking down this hill. And I could see them, though, waving at me, her and her sister. And I started running. And I started running and the music started playing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not shitting you. And then I was like running and I'm like – what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and so then i just started walking and then i got oh, to okay, them what just happened? yeah, yeah go. I got and I, when I got to them they're just like all over me just kissing me and hugging and like just fucking invading my personal space <laughs> like full on and i was like to me they felt like strangers yeah, yeah. sure but they knew who i was uh-huh. do you know what i mean yeah, yeah they remember giving me up and they remember searching for me after they'd given me up for adoption mm. um and then so – They that, didn't use Yellow Pages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but <that laughs> <was> the, <laughs> they, didn't have the,
2: they didn't have the information. They didn't have the
1: information at all. And wow. then, um, yeah, and then so once I once I'd sort of pushed them off me, <laughs> yeah. I looked down and I go, oh, are you pregnant? And she goes, yeah, I've had no other children other than you. Mm. And I'm like, fuck, i got a sister. And I was an only yeah. child growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a half-sister. Um, and so, yeah, she was due to be born a month after Mav and she's Mav's auntie yet she was going to be born after him, which is kind of bizarre, right? Mm. Um. Yeah. So that was full on, and then you know, obviously, you know, had the conversation, and then asked, okay, so why'd you give me up for adoption? And she was, she responded, I was very young, I was sixteen years old, and she was sexually abused, and you know, that really rocked my world in terms of who I was and my identity, and led me to making some decisions later on that you know weren't good decisions for my life and also my marriage. And um, yeah, and it was a hell of a journey. Yeah. So. I didn't think we we're gonna go yeah, down, go down this path. And so, so. like you're welcome. You yeah. Yeah, no, um, you're welcome. Yeah. And so what is that
0: um how much does that transform form you, do you think, when you find out something something like that?
1: Um, yeah, it really knocked me around a lot. Mm-hmm. I was in shock. Mm-hmm. I went home um to my wife and at the time and then I said, I can't talk to anyone. I just need to go mm-hmm. and be in a room on my own and mm-hmm. I was in that room for a day. Um I didn't want to leave it, yeah, and then obviously life goes on. You've got to come out of it and live life and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was super challenging. Um, what did you learn about stories or narratives? Like
0: I guess within life we all have our narrative. Great question, yeah. And when it suddenly changes, what have you learned?
1: Yeah, well, I've learned, you know, we get the opportunity to write our own stories and mm-hmm. our own, we've got our own set of beliefs and this is what I talk to a lot of people, you know, who are, who are you as a person? Um, focus on your values and beliefs. Focus on your personality and characteristics and your talents, abilities, and skills. And write all that stuff down around who you think you are and who you really think you are. You know, like go into a room, put some some music on that you might love, or a really mm-hmm. place you feel really empowered, and just start writing, writing, writing. Because that's and then, and then look at it, look at the page, and say, well, "This is what I did anyway. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm living out right now?" And for me, I wasn't. And so, was it? The, it was the person you wanted to be, or is it? Yeah, what's interesting, isn't it? So where does this stuff come from? Does it come from our unconscious? Does it come from our soul? Does it come from our heart? Where does it come from? I mean, there's so many different theories, right? Um, But I think it's a combination of all of it and the person that I believe I am and who I want to be. And then it's about how do you bridge that gap? And then that's not always a quick process and it can take time and life goes on and we've got distractions, we've got pressures, we've got kids, we've got businesses, we've got work. When do you create that time for yourself? And you know, since, since separating the last couple of years, I was really, really mindful to spend lots and lots of time on my own, um, because I see a lot of people, they'll jump out of a relationship and I'll go straight into another one, straight into another one, straight into another one. And I I could see that playing out. I didn't want to do that. So I spent lots of time on my own just to really understand who I, who I am as a person, um, without any distractions and without any sugar, um, to figure out who I am as a person and... I'm still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I don't have all the answers. Yeah. I'm still making it up every day. You know what I mean?
0: And so, our past, mm-hmm. our past experiences. How much do you think that is us, or how much, you know, how much is that? Yeah, how much is that us?
1: Oh, I think it's kind of like our our history, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and how important is our history in regards to how we live our day to day?
1: For me, I. To answer that question, I don't, I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned how to forgive myself and through that process that helped a lot and then I learned how to forgive others, um, which also helped a lot because then that enables them to forgive themselves mm-hmm. um, in their lives. Um, but I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. That's a tough yeah, – Yeah, you mm-hmm. asked me some t- yeah. good questions. And, and so when you have
0: done the forgiving mm-hmm. uh Do you then have to reconcile the fact that other people might not be
1: ready or on the same journey? Yeah, I think. So for me, you know, meaning and reframing the meaning of the events in my life has been massive. Uh, There's a book by Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, is about um, the Holocaust, and this 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 guy and his wife were prisoners of war, and they knew they were going to die, um, and he literally watched his wife die, um, yet found inner peace and happiness mm. whilst this was going down. Victor E. Franco, it's an amazing book. Um, and you've got to let people go. You've got you to allow people to go on their own journey and learn for themselves and when they're ready and when their time comes, they'll make the decisions themselves. And I think that's something, you know, I was in a codependent relationship from the start and so to, to come out of that and fully let go of that and that takes time too. Mm-hmm. We can only ever control our, ourselves, our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, our actions. It's it's us. There's nothing else. Yeah. Um, what about like that school of thought, or like what society
0: says around like selfishness or individualism? Mm-hmm. How can you f- how can you frame these things on mm-hmm. like focusing on the self without the selfish?
1: Everyone's selfish mm-hmm. is my belief. Yeah, we we all are. Whether or not we like to admit it or not, we're all doing things for our own interests. Whether or not that's somebody who you know, is always there for their family and friends and does things for them, they're doing that obviously to help mm-hmm. but also for their own reasons, mm-hmm. you know, so they feel good about themselves and that could be even covering up a bit of a wound or a hole they might have inside. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saving everyone else but forgetting to save themselves, you know, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, is,
2: is being selfish, I'm just trying to think about if you're choosing yourself or mm. choosing to say, for instance, it's, you need to start losing weight, you start going to the gym, and, and you have to be quite selfish in terms of what you need to do to achieve that for yourself. But the flow and effect for the people around you might make you happy. I mean, there's probably better examples around me- mental health and mm. being able to put those boundaries in place that affect. So, there's a decision on you to take control for yourself that affects others. Yeah. But then in turn, it helps. Your relationships.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, like if we do the work on ourselves, we come from a place where we, if we love ourselves and we can love others, you know, you would have heard of the analogy of the full cup, you know, if we've got enough enough in our tank we can give to others. Um, from my observations and experiences, when I've been in my my pain, I project my pain onto other people and create more pain mm. and then they're in pain and they're pushing more pain out. But if we've got love um, in our hearts, then we can, we can love. And then through loving unconditionally, then other people are like, they free to love. Yeah. I mean, I go into town and do some consulting and there's, you know, you know the homeless situation in our country. I walk past people all the time and I see most people in society just walking past without a second thought, not even. Mm. And there's this one guy every day, I'm in there, I go and sit down with him, have a chat, give him some cash, go get him, give him some, go to go to Seven go Eleven, get a hot chocolate and give him some of that, and I just sit there and just love him unconditionally. Back in the day, there was a time I went and bought a, a guy, a, a, a bottle of wine, a pack of Ciggies, and also a Big Mac meal because mm-hmm. loving unconditionally and if we love someone. It's a good combo as well. It's a sick <laughs> combo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but if we can love somebody like that, how are they going to feel? They're gonna, mm-hmm. That guy fucking wasn't like the other 99% of the population.
0: And so that love piece, you talked about um, – your relationship with your ex and it was like built on love, I think, at the start. Mm. Has your definition or how you look at love changed?
1: Fuck, these are good questions. These are great questions. Um, I think you need to really love yourself. So when we met, it was like I think more mind rather than heart. Mm -hmm. I was looking for family. At the time, which she had big family. Oh, that ticks a box. Mm-hmm. That's good. That feels good. Even though she was hot as when I met her and I loved <laughs> her. And like, you know, I was into we're both into each other physically. Um, still a beautiful lady today. Um Yeah, we we're very codependent. Um, and then now I'm, you know, I just love me for who I am as a person. And that's taken a long time to get to that point. Um so was it different then? Is that like yeah? Is it's is it? different. It's more mature. It's is like is it because
0: I feel like it sounds like potentially like if if love's coming from inside, you need to reconcile the stuff that's inside. So mm. if you haven't got that worked out, we can superficially tick some boxes, yeah. or love then becomes projected based on what we think we want.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, sure, and like. I don't know. I haven't fallen in love again yet, I don't think, mm-hmm. <laughs> although it's pretty funny. Um, I've fallen in love three times in the last six months. Yeah, someone,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> come on, mate. They're like, you've only met her once. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny actually, but I'm just really passionate guy. Like, I don't know. Uh, Are you more truthful than you were, do you think? Yeah, way more truthful But through self-awareness mm. and, know, it's and life
2: that, experience, I guess. It can't be around that. It's not that. You're lying before, but it's truth to yourself could be understanding yourself better and, and acting in a way that serves that or mm. opens that up more. Or, you know, it's like your truth, yeah. you're living yeah. that more. Yeah. You're not a part of that business world that's highly pressured and anxious and, you know, builds that cortisol level constantly. Like you, you're going, oh, I know that's there, but fuck it. I'm just make more money or do mm. something, you know? So it's. Facing the truth of, I don't need to do that. I yeah. don't need to live
1: that way. Yeah, living way more truthfully to who I am, and you know, the more I've lent into that, it seems as though the my external world's changed mm. a hell of a lot, and I feel happier, and I got more love and happiness to give. And I, I've had so many people lately say, "Oh, your energy, like, fuck, what's happened to you?" And I go, "I don't know," and I don't, I don't. I'm mm-hmm. just lent in, lent in, lent in, lent in, and now I'm doing the stuff I love to do and working on businesses that I love to work on and oh no, I'm know i just happy. It's
0: cool. You were talking about the cyclical stuff, like you're just getting into a bit of a cycle and you see it coming. Yeah. Have you gotten using that uh, example of, you know, you meet someone and you might sort of see that codependent bit in you or the person who's super passionate. Do you start to see those things and see them as signs that are oh, like, I actually want to stop this cycle. I
1: want to adjust. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit for sure. Because it takes. It's not just because like you have a. I want to be this way. It happens automatically. Mm-hmm. It takes time. That lag period again, right? Yeah. Um. Fuck these questions are fucking challenging, mate. We're psychoanalyzing <laughs> <to be> <laughs> yeah. it right now. It's a
0: yeah. And it's we've really got no uh, accreditation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not even a cert two. <laughs> not, not this is what podcasting is. Why does that sit it cert do? three? Yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> goes a cert, cert
2: four. Is there is a cert three? two? I don't Can know. you go cert two in anything? I got a cert four in PT. Does it yeah. mean I got cert one, two, three, and then four? Yeah, I wonder why they started four.
1: I'm not, like I've made so many fucking mistakes, and I reckon that's a secret to mm-hmm. you. You got to be willing to make mistakes, mm-hmm. and I've made all of them, yeah. <laughs> and I fucking love it yeah. <laughs> um, because brought me to the point that I'm at today, mm-hmm. and I'll continue to make mistakes my entire life, and I'm and I'm cool with that, mm. and I'm comfortable with that. Um, just quickly on the on money. Yeah,
2: people's relationships with money. Do you think people's desire to make money? So, if it is a goal, I want to make cash, lots of it. Do you think it's counterproductive in the long term? In 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 the you know, so let's like, say for instance, like yeah, can you be fulfilled with yeah, just yeah, yeah. seeking? Like, are there people doing it well? They just seeking do I cash? because like, I think the the people promoting mm-hmm. the hustle and all of that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary V. Um, You know, do the business stuff, make the money. Mm -hmm. Like, is do you think it's sustainable for any form of happiness?
1: I think if you're if you're aware, I think if you've got low levels of self awareness, you see a lot of people and they're they're chasing chasing coin and chasing materialistic things, and at at a level they would be making money to buy shit to get the sugar. And I think at some point in time, they're going to have a fucking realization. Do you not eat sugar, by the way? Do you quit sugar? Yeah, well, I, I I I like lollies, but I don't have it in my coffee. Um, what does that mean? No sugar, well, like no sugar in your coffee, but you eat. Sorry, I like lollies. I like so you, but you eat them. So you, lollies. Yeah, yeah. I like fucking snakes. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you eat them every day? Um, What's well, been hard at my fucking mum's joint because she fucking loves them,
0: you
3: know. Amen. <laughs> 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 like, hey,
0: yeah, I can relate. My mum hides them actually. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um,
1: what was the question? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So just around the money, I've, I've thought yeah, it through yeah, a bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. There's lots of people in the generation, Mm. you know, the 20s and 30s and think that's what success is and that's what I was chasing to be happy. And Mm. I got what I thought was a level for me that would would make me happy Mm. and had a lot of fun with it and then a lot of it I don't have anymore yet I've still got some of it Um, and now I'm leaning into the things I'm passionate about and my belief is that me doing the work and showing up with who I am as a person will create more money than I've ever created yet that's not the primary driver Mm. for what I'm doing.
2: Which is a good belief because I think most people probably choose the old oh, aim to make money based on it being a more clear thought in your mind of that's how I make money yeah. versus go the other way, spend time doing something I love, which can essentially make a lot of money. I mean, if you're just choosing to be, a, yeah. you love your saxophone, it's probably not a clear route to making cash, mm-hmm. sure, uh, big cash, but yeah, so it's it's a weird one because I think that's where the the enticement to have money as a goal mm. is there based on you just it's making more sense to your mind versus taking this approach.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't buy happiness at the end of the day. It's fucking pretty fucking yeah. straightforward and simple. You can't. I mean, you can buy ten a short- mil.
3: <laughs> ten, mil. <laughs> ten. <laughs> yeah, ten mil, ten mil the Tesla.
1: I <laughs> reckon. Not bad. Yeah. It would. It'd wear out. Yeah. It'd wear out. Mm. I don't know. No, Get true. new tires. Put in an index so fund. Updates. Put
0: in an index fund. The ten mil. No, no, I get. It. And it's interesting because <laughs> yeah. when you chase the cash, you don't have to do the internal work. And that's what like my the thing that I constantly think about is it's like when I focus too much on the money problems, I'm like reframing of like which bit is the money problem, how much of this is a money problem, mm. and I think that money is an interesting one because it's it's very real. You can see it. It's like uh if you don't have money in the bank, if you can't pay something, it's yep. a very easy tangible, tangible bit of friction. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's the second or third thought around. Okay, well, what? Why? Mm. What is this? What am I actually worried about?
1: Yeah. And so I don't know. I like had no money when I was like 18, 19. I didn't have money, and then I worked and I got money. And I was like, oh, that felt fucking good. Mm-mm. I got a bit more. And I'm like, oh, now I can go do this and go do that. And then I got more, and I was like, "Hmm, this is this Give me yeah. more of this shit." <laughs> and then, yeah, I got more and more and more. And I was like, "No, nah. there was a point in time for me yeah. where I had an awareness, like, holy shit." Do you ever think about
0: fuck if I had the cash now with the internal work? Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it would be, I'd be <laughs> pretty, be pretty good.
1: Yeah, I like it it's fascinating, you know. Like, I'm about to settle, and I can't, I fucking can't believe it. I've bought seven properties in my life, and as an 18, 19 year old kid, I don't have. I sold one of them, and then. Gave the other one to my ex, happily, by the way, um, because, you know, my kids are there half of the time. Um, that I'd never thought that would happen. I had a belief mm-hmm. when I was younger, mm. how can you do that? How do they do that? Uh-huh. And then it's through the doing and you learn how to do it and it's actually not that hard, but it's all the fucking forms and shit you got to do. Admin. Are, you good admin. are you good with admin? No, but I'm really fucking determined uh-huh. and I just won't stop mm-hmm. until I get to the outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that, but, but that belief to get to that point, I was like, holy! Oh, I'd never thought I would have done that, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go and get twenty. Yeah, and I reckon I will in the next ten years. I'll uh-huh. just keep going, keep going, keep going uh-huh. because the beliefs there. How and do so- you keep it in check? How? What's the, the
0: different framing? Yeah, so you don't end up with another concussion and a sure. A, my reason why.
1: My reason why. Yeah, and so through you know the vehicles, you know, businesses now two of them around, well, really three of them around creating positive change in society, mm-hmm. and I see that now as a fuel yeah. to grow and expand and scale those businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, going through, you know, the separation and divorce and going to move to my mum's house and renovating a garage and living in that, it's just brought me back to my roots of who I was, an 18-, 19-year-old punk rocking and skate, skater surfer, and I fucking love that, and that's my happiness. Yeah. And that's like, once you know that... Um, then that changes everything for for me. However, I'm not naive enough to say if the money starts coming Mm -hmm. and when it starts growing and expanding, I've got to be careful. And I reckon I'm going to have to check myself for sure Mm -hmm. because it would be easy to get sucked into that thought process again because there's 15 or 20 years of patterning in Mm -hmm. my brain and it's there and, yeah, we can rewrite it with new memories and new stories and that type of thing and neurology, like the the need of the record – it doesn't just change. It needs to be scratched a lot, mm-hmm. and you know I'm only two years into this journey, or two or yeah. three. Years. So the early the days, early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yet it doesn't feel like it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah. A lot of psychoanalyzing going on here, Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were the funny guy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, <laughs> yeah,
0: but that was funny. Uh, Brent. Mate, we should go surfing this year, 2020. As Sick. Uh, where? Yeah. Where? where? No, not not You
2: we'll, we'll probably lose us. Well, yeah. I think we
0: could start. Urban um, surf.
2: Yeah, urban. I mean,
0: I like so the urban. Surf thing, we're definitely going to do. Definitely, I like the idea. I feel like you're sort of one with nature. You can get around yeah, that, sort yeah, of bringing yeah. the hippie vibe. Maybe well, we you, could do a bit of pokies afterwards. You get a place down at uh, Janjar. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's funny. It's funny to say that. I've actually been doing work with corporate teams. Uh-huh. I was. I took the Melbourne United basketball team all um, to the pokies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, guys. Now I'll teach a chance. Yeah, yeah,
3: right.
1: yeah, yeah. They had a preseason camp down there. All their team came together nine days before the season starts. The uh-huh. Australian players, some of the imports from the NBA um they all came together took them down for a three-day trip down the coast put them in their B&Bs, training facility ran a workshop took them surfing and that's mm. that's kind of like one of the one of the business i do now is oh, around sick. that oh great so yeah let's oh, yeah. do it we can do it we can have the daily talk show team surfing for workshop that'd be, yeah, yeah, be, workshop. That. That'd be yeah, sick yeah, great.
0: i've I'd got a friend uh, sarah lee she lives in hawaii and she does these epic surf photos and it would be great one day I'd love to go surfing, and we can get the daily talk show full photo shoot experience. Surf while surfing, while surfing, like underwater. What about some underwater uh, stuff?
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, quicker to get that done if we go to urban surf. We could just get on one wave. Whether you get, yeah, up but on I like wave. it. I do. I like <laughs>
0: the idea of but the problem with going. I guess sort of like a controlled environment is you don't like. I've got a slight, not a fear, but the the whole thing with the ocean of like not knowing what's under your feet. If I know that it's concrete, it's too easy. Mm. I feel like part of it is like if I feel seaweed or whatever, I'm like, ah, like what the fuck is that? I mean, forget that? the seaweed. you got to learn how to surf first. Well, I reckon, I reckon like I can get on the board. So I can, can get you? on the board. Yeah. I mean, I can get up <laughs> Get on the board. And so once the
2: board's happening. We can get him yeah, doing some it. sort of just jump ups, see if he oh, can Oh, yeah, get yeah. We else. could
0: do that. Let's yeah. do some Insta stories yeah, of yeah. that.
2: If you jump up, see if he yeah. can. I actually think I'd be yeah quite
0: good, but core core strength is obviously an important part.
1: Yeah, it helps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe, oh maybe
0: I could do some of those fucking um, st- paddle standing
2: stuff. Saps. Sups. Stand up paddleboard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, get around that.
0: Yeah, look like a real grommet. Just down on is that a grummet thing? I um, feel like more sort of Indonesian, sort of like just sort of zen type of thing. No, you are a funny guy,
2: <laughs>
1: that's all I
0: wanted. It's never that, that positive <laughs> when someone calls you a
2: funny guy, yeah, a funny guy,
0: actually. <laughs> funny guy. In Bali, that's what they call me funny boy, <laughs> funny boy. Really yeah, good. when I was like 1998, I went there, had bleach yeah. blonde hair or whatever, little fat kid, and uh, yeah, I had a harmonica that I bought. And I was fucking obsessed about like buying a laser. You know, like you go on the markets oh, and they're yeah. selling lasers or whatever in Cuda. And um, I, my parents wouldn't let me get one. And so then years later, I went to Thailand and bought like a fucking like 21 and bought like bought an industrial grade laser. that was fucking that was awesome. <laughs> but it couldn't fly. Like I spent like f- jokes f- on you, yeah, Mum. <laughs> yeah, I spent 50 bucks on it. And uh, then obviously I couldn't take it home. Couldn't take it uh, on the plane. And so, just gave it to some like random locals. Yeah. I think they thought they'd hit the jackpot. It was, it was a great laser. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, Brent, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, it's Thanks a daily talk me. show. Uh, hi, at is the email address. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, otherwise, see you tomorrow, guys. See you guys. You shuckers. <laughs>